We have been seeing about connecting with the Holy Spirit, connecting with God, connecting with the Word, connecting with the Spirit. And when I start this morning about connecting with the fellow believer, I have noticed that in our church, we don't know each other that well. Some of you here might never really have had a good conversation with the person that sits beside you or across the hall or across uh, the sanctuary here. Usually you have found your perfect spot. You like to be in that very spot. It's okay, but there are people in other spots in this church that are also part of the body of Christ. But do we know them? Do you know what's going on in your neighbor's heart? And I'm not talking about a neighbor as a neighbor in your house. I'm talking about a neighbor that's sitting beside you in the same pew in the church. Would it Could it possibly be that we lack a closer relationship with each other? A connection? There's the story. There was a a young man uh, with his family. They went to a movie, movie theater. And as they were coming in and they were... uh, um, they stopped because they smelled the popcorn on the side. So they decided, oh, let's get some popcorn first. So they, he decided, okay, you guys go ahead. And I'm going to stay. When I get the popcorn, I'll, I'll get there. And so they went. And he stayed back. And he ended up staying in line to get the popcorn. And once the popcorn finally was there, so, so he grabbed the popcorn. And he went into the, uh, to the theater. But the problem was that by now they had already dimmed down the lights. And uh, he had the popcorn and where in the world? You know, you come from a dark, from a bright spot. You go into a darker spot. It's hard for you to see where people are sitting. So he was trying to go up and down the hall, the, you know, that big thing, up and down to see where in the world are my, is my family. And after going three or four times up and down and he couldn't recognize them. He couldn't find where they were. He finally stood there and he said this. Can someone recognize me? <laughs> now if you bring that to the church there might be people coming in here today but maybe with the same type of question. Can someone recognize me? I have been coming to this church. People have really not talked to me. They don't really know what in the world is going on in my heart. People see me. People cannot see me. People haven't seen me here. Now think about it for 
a church. See, a church is different from an association of people, from a club. A church is made out of something different. It is made out of a spiritual bond. By the way, we know that a... Uh, I don't want to go ahead of myself, but we know that a tradition or a way of thinking or a coming together in a place is not really strong enough to keep us gathered together or in a bond as a body, as the body of Christ. For some reason, we have to have something more that will actually connect us closer than the things we, you know, we have the Holy Spirit. He is here, praise the Lord. But for some reason, we have managed to stay together in a church. And we have some loose connections. We have developed some loose connections and we have made it possible for us to live that way in a church. We don't really know if there are people here right now that are suffering. And isn't it true that the word says when one part of the body suffers, everybody suffers? There might be people here screaming, Does somebody recognize me? I may be just a little toe in the whole body of Christ, but I am also here. People are not looking at me. People don't see me. People don't talk to me. And I am here. And I'm looking for, for some help, and I don't get it. I'd like to draw a picture of an ideal scenario of a true fellowship in a church. Now, it starts in Acts chapter 2. Of course, you would probably imagine that already. Acts chapter 2, verses 42. By the way, in your bulletin, it says 42 to 27. It's actually 42 to 47. But that's okay. So, um, what would be the perfect scenario of a church body? Which, by the way, already put that aside. We know that a body, a church body, is different from any other group type of gathering. It has some extra things to it. One of the things that a church that is uh, an ideal scenario for fellowship, I mean true fellowship. Now, people might not even quite understand what fellowship is anymore, especially, you know, we're talking about the young generation. You ask them, oh, what's fellowship? They might probably not even know what it is. Anyway, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, we have fellowship halls. We, we gather together and we talk and we, we know each other and we kind of love each other. But the perfect scenario is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, that does not mean... One thing, that, uh, the, to bring the fellowship closer together has to do with the devotion to the teachings of the apostles. In other words, the Bible. It is the Word of God that is the thing that is the, the focus for this fellowship. 
We abide by the word, we live by the word, we understand the word, we look forward to hear the word, we want to be with the word, we want to be immersed in the word. And by the way, the word himself is Christ. The word itself is Christ. So one thing that needs to happen for a fellowship to take place, a fellowship which is different from a club or from a going to a theater, because you can't even go, let's you go to a theater, and you, you, you watch the movie, you sit side by side, you all are focused on that thing, but you are, rather, you are not really connected with the person that sits beside you. You don't even know that person. You only see you are concentrated on the movie. As soon as the movie is over, each one goes his own way, which is very different from a church. From a church, you are also connected to the Word. But you have something on the side here. You are connected spiritually because according to God, you are one body. It's different. Anyway, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. It's because there was something called a common cause. There was something that would not let them ever be apart again. Ever. They were bond in one spirit, one big group, but that's actually one single body. The breaking of bread and to prayer. They would pray together. Think about a perfect scenario. What a church, what can bring a church, what can intensify the fellowship of a body of Christ? The prayer, the apostles' teaching, which is the word, the breaking of bread, what we did here. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So they, they all had this cause in mind. We are a different group now, and we are all together in this, and we are moving forward. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. That's, do we have everything in common? Each one has their own thing. Each one has their own agenda. Each one has their own desires and, and, and preferences. Could it possibly be that sometimes the church has become more like a group that has gathered to watch a movie, that are connected to the movie as soon as the movie is on, but as soon as the movie is off, you're each one their own way. And even during the movie sometimes, well, I don't like the movie, this is not good, you know, you have all kind of different reviews. Anyway, all the believers were together and had everything in common. In fact, they sold property. Now, this is, you're talking the perfect scenario here. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, that's the other thing that the church is different from other groups. They are willing for self-sacrifice to help the ones that are in need. And it was not just for the feeling good thing. 
It was because they loved each other, and if they could not see, they could not stand the possibility that somebody among their own group that would be suffering. We need to help. We need to do something. Our brother, my part, my arm, or my finger is suffering in this body. I have to somehow help. So they sold the property possessions to give to anyone who had need. The other perfect scenario here, they had every day, they, had, they continued to meet together. Why would they always every day come and meet together? Why not just once a month and good enough? Once every two months. Or once, you know, those were really extreme. They come once and each time, and it's interesting, these people say, you know, I only come, each time I come, I see a Christmas tree. I come only once a year. But every day, they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Perfect scenario. In fact, you have a, a church in Brazil, you know, I mean, and I'm not saying that that's what we should adopt here, but they have an average about two or three services every day. It's the church is like a more like a charismatic Pentecostal type church. Not a perfect church at all. But they meet every day. In fact, the church was open. The, the doors are open. People come in, and uh, there's, there's some type of prayer, some type of thing going on there every time, all the time. Sometimes in the middle of the city, people pass on the, on the sidewalks and look, and oh, there's a group there, there's a big singing, a big hallelujahs and whatnot. And they go in, and they pray. And I'm not even saying that that is the, 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 the best model for us to adopt here. But there is what, in, 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 the, in, the, in the early church, there was a need to come together to talk, to share, to pray for each other, to ask the question, hey, how are you doing? How can I help you? How can I be a blessing to you? How can I actually do something that will, that will cheer you up? Because I'm into, if, if, if you have any need, let me know. Let me know. Let me, just let me know. I'm willing to sacrifice myself. I'm willing to help you. I'm willing to give. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together. I call it potluck. They had potluck. I'm not sure if every day, but they would come together to eat, to have fellowship, you know, and, do, and I'm sure, you know, Jesus loved to have potlucks with people. He would come, he would, he would everywhere where there was food, Jesus was in it. He loved food. But he would use the opportunity to share and to minister to people during those times. Because how great is that? How cool is that? You just sit around the table and you eat those nice little, those nice turkeys, whatever it is. You know, with some gravy and stuff, you know. I know you're getting hungry, eh? But you're talking about the important things that binds you together. That binds you, that makes you uh, become one. You, you, you cheer each other up because of where you are going to be spending the eternity together in heaven. So they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And they were praising God. 
and enjoying the favor of all the people. See, that's the other thing. And John, John 17, says, Lord, let them be together so that the world would know. They understood this principle. If we as church are not together, not united, the world will not know. And then we fail the mission. We fail the mission. We have come together sometimes as a club. Of course, not the Mark of Missionary Church. I'm talking about the other churches, okay? Just, just so you know. We come together to celebrate and to rejoice and to sing and to worship. They were praising God and they were enjoying the favor of all the people. And as a consequence already, you know, the number and the number daily added. I think I'm missing out here something here. But anyway, the Lord added to their number daily for those who were being saved. Now, continue on with the perfect scenario of what fellowship truly is in the church. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. We read this, verse 24. And let us consider how we may spur up one another on towards love and good deeds. Now, we might do that at some, to some extent to spur or to encourage each other. Sometimes we have a problem to talk to people or even encourage people to, hey, you know what, don't you want to help us? Sometimes we don't even go there because we already know the answer. No, he's not willing to help. Not even go there. But as church, we have even the right to push each other a little bit. It's nothing wrong with that. If you see somebody just warming up the seats in the church, you have the right to come to that person and tell them, hey, we are in a business here. We are, we are up to something here. We need your help. I know I want to, in the youth ministry, in all, basically every ministry, we need, we need the volunteers. We need help. The church needs help. So let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. It's part of the perfect scenario here. As some are in the habit of doing, the text says. But encouraging one another. Now I'm asking you again. The words that we speak to each other are those encouraging words. Or are those words that will bring someone down? And I was, even this morning, I was talking to a, a brother. Sometimes he, and he heard some very tough words to swallow. Because they were hurtful words. Now it's okay for us to rub shoulders, you know, and we we we, and, and uh, uh, healthy admonition is a good thing. 
You know, I, re- I, need, I need to receive those two. You can't come to, you know what? You can't come to me and say, oh, hey, pastor, you, you screwed up right there. And that's something you said here. In fact, the other day I said something that was uh, a little not quite understood. That's, by, by the way, that's kind of normal. You know, when I say something that you don't quite understand, please come and tell me. Because my English is really, compared to some of you here, it's really, really bad. But I want to uh, let you know, you know, if you, if you hear something, hey, I, I, I have a question, I've got a theological question here. Just come and talk. Because I am more than happy, more than glad for you to, to, to let me know, hey, but, but I don't understand this. You, the way it came out, it came a little crooked. And it probably did, by the way. But it's all fixable. Because I am not perfect. I'm absolutely not perfect. I wish a word like you, perfect. Oh, just kidding. I don't think. So let us consider how to be made spur up one another and towards love and good deeds, not giving up and meeting together, but encouraging one another. And all the more, as you see the day approaching, there's a reason also. Why do we want to encourage each other? As you see the day approaching. The Lord puts it in here with a purpose. There is a day coming, and it might be close by, where we won't be needing to meet in this very place. There will be a day coming where the sun will not rise, because the Lord is indeed coming. I mentioned it here on Saturday for those who were here. There are three. There were three hundred. About 300 prophecies in the Bible talking about Jesus' first coming. That's, and Jesus fulfilled them all. But according to David Jeremiah, I'm not sure if he did count, but he says there are 1,845 prophecies that talk about his second coming. It's as sure as it can be, he is coming. So in the meantime, as we see the day approaching, let's encourage each other because we are a different type of group of people. We are a body of Christ that is connected on the word, but also with each other through the Holy Spirit. Leave it here today. But I want to uh, let you know that um, it is wonderful to be church with you. You have accepted us here, um, and that is, I guess it's a a gift from God for, for us to be here. And I feel bond connected with you because we are one body and we are moving forward and my prayer is and our prayer is that you would get closer together as the day go by as the days go by so that the world would know we are a different group of people 
with a different mission. And we are connected. And if there are people among us that are suffering, that are yelling out, please, somebody recognize me. May we be with an open heart, all of us, so that we can be of a help to someone. Because that's the body of Christ. Shall we pray? Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have something amazing for your body, the church. You have not let us orphans. You have given us the instruction and you have given us the Holy Spirit that binds us. And Lord Jesus, we pray this morning that your presence would become stronger and stronger and stronger in our lives. We don't want to be, Lord Jesus, uh, going separate ways. Even if you have to work in different places, we live in different addresses, that's okay. But Lord, deep, deep down, Lord, we are connected as one body. We have a plan. We have a future. We have a purpose. And we are here, Lord Jesus, to support each other, to be friends with each other, to have fellowship with each other. And to be a blessing and an encouragement to each other. Lord, that's how you envision the church. And if it so happened, Lord, that uh, as the days have gone by, that we are kind of loosely connected, that you would help us to reconnect again with our brother and our sister. We need your help, Lord. We want to also thank you that you have, your promises are strong. Your promises can be removed, cannot be removed. And we will walk this journey, this journey, this wonderful, powerful, adventurous journey of faith together until the end. And we want to thank you, Lord, that you will be with us as you have promised every single day as we do, as we walk this journey. And now may the grace and the peace and the joy and the fellowship of God the Father and of Jesus Christ the Son and of the Holy Spirit be with all of us today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. You know, the children, I think, have something.